Blog Talk Radio. and around the world, welcome to True Forgiveness Teachings. I'm Jackie Laura Jones, here with you again, reminding you that you are loved and you are loved. Anyone tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast about the spiritual teaching, A Course in Miracles. And I have a wonderful guest from Morocco, and she has written an awesome book, (laughs) The Top 10 Lies We Tell Ourselves, and how to stop living them. She hosts On Course with Dr. Dana every Wednesday morning from 9.30 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And Dana, it is so nice to have you on the show. I'm going to put a link to your website in the description. So welcome to True Forgiveness Teaching. Oh, thank you, Jackie. I'm so glad to be here. Yay. And I just want to tell you, I I love your book. It's so funny. And Dana and I connected. She knows my sister Cindy and my brother-in-law Gary, who introduced us. And um, it's so funny. When I went to your website and everything, I thought, oh, my God, this is so fun. You do things with humor and lightness. You have quite a story. I just absolutely love how you keep everything so light and fun. I think you were mentioning that you had heard me sing before on some of my podcasts, which I've been known to break out into song. And I want to tell you listeners that Dana did a parody called Forgiveness Road. It's to the tune of Country Roads by John Denver. And I just wanted her to sing a little bit of it. And the lyrics will just, it'll just make you smile. And Dana, I think it's such a reminder to Keep everything light. Just remember not to take the world too seriously or it'll take you. And we'll get more into that. And I may chime in here, you guys, with a little bit of the a little bit of the harmony, so we'll see. But I thought we'd kick off the show with your song, Dana, because it's awesome. Oh, that would be great. Yes, I do love to sing. <laughs> Yay! So let's do that. Okay. It's not heaven. Where exactly are we? A world in chaos, conflict all around me. Fear is all here, frozen than the trees. Older than the mountains, growing like a breeze. Forgiveness road takes me home to the place. I belong What is winning Feel like losing Take me home Forgiveness flows Painful memories Come back to teach me When we stop the blaming It will set us all free Grace and glory painted on the sky. Sweetest taste of sunshine, teardrops in my eyes. Forgiveness, but take me home. 
about overcoming depression and your story about depression, how the course helped you is truly amazing. Why don't we start with a little bit of your, your background and then how it helped yes. you? Yes. Well, going back as far as I can remember, just uh, my emotional state, I remember I just didn't know what to do with that feeling and it just seemed like other people were happier than me and I just didn't understand what was wrong with me. And I did know that depression ran in my family, um, so I had that um, thought in my head. And I'm sure that's why I decided to study psychology, going all the way through the level of Ph.D. expert. And um, I was helped. I was helped by the theories I was learning. I just thought if I could learn the right theory of mind, I could solve this riddle and figure this out and feel better. Right. And um, but the breakthrough didn't really come from the psychology theories. And I was in therapy, and that was helping, too. Um, And I was really making a very conscious effort to shut out anything spiritual. Um, I was raised Catholic, and I just didn't think that that had any answers for me. And I was sure that God would have nothing to do with me feeling better (laughs) at all. um, But I kind of had, I guess, early midlife crisis around the age of 40. Uh, After having two children, I suffered from postpartum depression and really reached a low point, that moment of surrender on my knees, and I just was ready to cry out, I'll try anything, I have to feel better, I can't go on like this. And that's when I started to entertain the idea of spirituality as a way out. And I think The Course of Miracles really spoke to me because it is a psychological and spiritual um, program or path to enlightenment. And so I really gravitated towards those concepts that I felt were already kind of familiar to me. And then, of course, added uh, the big piece, which is the idea that not only could I entertain that spirituality could help me, but maybe I am spirit. Like, wow, <laughs> what a breakthrough that right. could be. What you went through is just, it's so good. I encourage people to um, get your book. And um, what is one of the things do you think that really helped you? I mean, when you, how did you incorporate and process when you found out that we're really dreaming here, that this is an illusion, which means 
since our body is an illusion, any depression, anxiety, or illness we have is also an illusion. And that's challenging for people at first. How did you come to integrate that? (laughs) You know? Right. Well, the person who introduced me to the course, uh, I was actually into energy healing and I was at a conference in Mexico and this this couple who did, was doing the same type of biofeedback that I was and also studying the course, he just mentioned to me, have you heard of this book, Course in Miracles? And I said, yeah, I have it on my shelf. Um, I thought it was just daily affirmations, but it sounds Christian. I put, it, I put it away. I don't plan on reading it. And he said, well, do you know what it's about? It's about, and he gave me just a 30-second description, but it was a metaphysical description. And I had no idea that that's what, what the book was about. And when he was speaking, I remember thinking, wow, this sounds crazy, and wow, I know this is true, like on some level, and just the thought yes. of it being true, like you said, that maybe all, all of my suffering was a dream that I could awaken from. It was just enough to motivate me to go home and, you know, study it like a full-time job ever since then. Right. Um, but, I, but I would like to point out, um, back to the depression piece, just one um, distinction, mm-hmm. Um one error that I uncovered in my thinking that was so help, so pivotal in reversing my depression, if I can share that. Oh, please. And, yeah. Yes. And that is that I was confusing internal and external. So what I thought of as my external self were, was the roles that I played. I figured, okay, this is my external self. I'm a psychologist. I'm a mother. I'm a wife, et cetera. Um, so I defined myself through the roles I played. This is my external self. And I thought my internal self, was my private thoughts of self-hatred. I thought that's who I was. I thought that was my identity. I thought that's who I was at the core. And then I realized, no, I just need to keep going. Those private thoughts of self-hatred are also external to who, to what I really am, love and nothing else. So I just had to keep going. <laughs> but really, I also talk about in the book um, uh, just the gift of depression, too, because I was able, even though there was a lot of suffering involved, I was able to see the ego, this fear part of our mind, for what it for what it is and that it had nothing to offer. So I think it made it easier in some sense to say, well, I want nothing more of that. What's the alternative? Oh, my gosh. You know what? That's, that is profound. And you make an interesting point. As people find a thought system like A Course of Miracles and you, well, two points that occurred to me as you were talking. One, something resonated with you, right? right. Like you said, just wow. Even though not knowing that what this whole thought system <laughs> encompasses, you were like, something resonates with me. And then the next thing is, as we start to walk this back, this web of illusion, we start to recognize, as you did, that our thoughts are not us either, and that we right. think we have private thoughts and that everything is part of the illusion their external and internal are the same just like the world is a projection of the mind they're one and the same there's nothing out there and then you walk it back further and the mind itself outside of time and space also is an illusion and you get back to what i love in the course god is and nothing else is but it's a process isn't it and that must have been i'm so glad you brought that up that just must have been pivotal because you were able to walk that back and man healing can really start to take place the more we undo these ideas of separation right even in the mind yep and i would describe it as 
uh, what it felt like was when I had that realization that I'm not my thoughts, that just turned me in the right direction. But then, like you said, it is a process and it does take time. And that's what I've learned over the last few years is just to be gentle with myself for the time it takes and just to appreciate each step along the way as a gift and incrementally getting closer and, and that type of thing. Oh, Yes, well said. I want to tell the listeners too. I'm I'm going to read the top ten lies that we tell ourselves. That the oh, ego loves this, and then I also wanted to say I love so many things in your book, like you say, "For fears a jolly good fellow," <laughs> because to the ego, there's no greater companion than our trusted friend fear, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but Dana has all these just fun things to keep it light. And, you know, I talk a lot about on this podcast about keeping it light and um, the regular listeners will know what that means. If anyone new is listening, A Course in Miracles is only and always about your thoughts, what you're thinking, nothing to do with behavior or the world. And so when we're talking about keeping things light, it doesn't mean we're denying that the world of separation is showing us horrific things, okay? But the Course is teaching that everything that we perceive, in fact, the fact that we think we perceive and think at all shows us that we are not in the oneness of God. So there's no thinking in heaven. And so, again, it's this walking it back. So the reason we keep it light is because the Course says we took this tiny, matty idea of separation seriously. And what does it mean when we take that seriously? It means it produced effects. And what are the effects? The whole world we see. So we keep it light, which is why I love your book. just has so many light things and humor. You talk about laughing your way out of it, you know, um, living the happy dream. But let me tell the listeners about your the top 10 lies. Number 10 is nothing is more important than being right. And then in parentheses, you have, and of course you always are. <laughs> Number nine, <laughs> there is not enough of anything to go around. So take your share by any means possible. <laughs> Number eight, chaos is business as usual, parentheses. So get used to it. Number seven, the lie number seven, there's someone out there who can finally complete you, parentheses, so never stop searching. Number six, you must find a way to be truly unique or better than others, parentheses, because you are. Number five, you must attack first and often, parentheses, or risk being defeated, love this line number four the ego tells us the person who can hold a grudge the longest wins and then you say so hang on tight <laughs> i love it <laughs> number three reacting out of fear comes naturally parentheses so stick with the program number two love is a sign of weakness and can really mess with your head avoid it at all costs <laughs> and number one <laughs> You can't count on anyone but yourself, parentheses. And by the way, you're a huge disappointment. I mean, those are so great. I think everyone listening, we have a lot of people listening in, I think, 16 or 17 countries. And you know what? 
people can relate because that is what we think. Right. That is the ego's thought system. All those things of separation, one or the other, you know, attack, exactly. be attacked. It's just crazy. How in the world did you come up with all that? Is just so funny the way you put them all together like that. <laughs> it was actually just a, a Facebook post that I did. I thought, wouldn't it be funny if um, the ego was on David Letterman and the ego had to just like stand up and say <laughs> what it's really ten. up to, like a roast? Yeah. So I actually wrote the whole list in like just a couple of minutes and was laughing as I was writing it down. And it was just, I wasn't thinking, I was just like having fun with it. And I didn't even really know if anybody would see it. And then when I got an agent, I actually had a different idea for the book. And then when I shared with him, Oh, by the way, this is my most popular Facebook post. He's like, okay, that's your book. I'm like, Oh, all right, sure. So we pivoted and we did, (laughs) we did that instead. Just like that. I love it. In, in line number one, you can't count on anyone but yourself. Um, you talk about the luxury box of pain, and you say we can't move beyond the pain as long as we harbor an unconscious desire to keep it based on the assumption that it's well-deserved. In mm. Ken's, and it's Ken Wapnick, everyone, all the listeners, great teacher of the course, which we talk about a lot on this show. In Ken's book, Ending Our Escape from Love, he says, quote, we would all agree that pain is something we do not want. But if we were to look at what is going on in our minds, we would realize that we, in fact, luxuriate in the pain. I think that's so profound because right. it goes right to the heart of the metaphysics of the course. And you say, yeah, the luxury box of, of pain <laughs> because we believe we've separated We believe we've attacked God, killed him off so that we could live, we could usurp his power. And now the ego tells us that God's going to come and punish us. And so we're afraid. We deserve secretly that we should be punished, right? Exactly. Talk about a a breakthrough (laughs) to to view it that way. And, uh, yeah, and just you can feel even though I wrote the book, like I can still feel my own resistance to that. <laughs> to right. Oh, I know. Isn't it crazy? Right. Yeah, it does. But, we um, all have enormous resistance to these ideas. Right. Um, and so that's why I think that A Course in Miracles is so profound in the way, you know, the workbook of the course leads us from our belief in that the body is our identity to mindfulness, recognizing that our real identity, still in the illusion, is of a dreaming mind. Mm -hmm. And again, like we were saying before, we start walking it back and walking it back. You know what? It's so interesting because I really do think of myself not as a a body for many years now. Um, And I walk around and one of the things that's always so helpful to me is just to just remember that I'm dreaming. I'm having a dream that something is occurring. You know, I'm having a dream that doing this podcast with you, you know, having a dream that, you know, um, just everything. I want people so much to know that there, there is a way out, which is true forgiveness, the way the course teaches it. You know what? I wanted to, before I forget, I wanted to ask you, I loved 
in your book, your dialogue, your Robin Williams story. Can you share that with the listeners? I would love to. Yes. So um, I do feel like I have been given spirit guides along the way. Of course, what that really means to me now is there's just one of us appearing as many. um, And that really is all encompassing. Like I'm talking about everyone from all time periods. Yeah. So I've always been a fan of Robin Williams, like most people. And I even remember in, in graduate school, I was teaching an undergraduate educational psychology class. And one day I didn't even know what to lecture about because I was feeling pretty insecure in those days. So I just put on Dead Poet Society. And that was one period. <laughs> I just watched that movie of Robin Williams and his teaching style and how yes. you know, unorthodox it was and how, how connected he was with the students. But so when he passed, and of course, because he passed through suicide, I was very affected by that, as again, as we all were. And I had a, still do, but I have a meditation practice where I meditate a few minutes before bed. And so I was meditating, and it was just a few days after he passed, and I just got this feeling that he had a message for me. And of course, who would turn down trying to find out what that was? So I just kind of in my mind said, okay, Robin, you have something to tell me. What is it? And um, in my own voice, I didn't. I didn't hear his voice, but in my own voice, I heard words. I heard, um, well, I would like you to teach people what depression really means, really help people understand it. And I said, yeah, sure. Can you help me make it funny, though? (laughs) And he said, yes. And then I just felt so energized. Like it was 10 o'clock at night, and I had a toddler and a baby. So I was tired. But then all of a sudden, I just felt tingly. And I just had all these ideas like rapid fire. Like I saw myself like a one-woman Broadway show talking about the ego and doing skits and having props and singing songs and teaching that way and almost in the Robin Williams style where he's almost like um, just unconscious revealing like he because you remember his stand-up would be so fast you knew that he could never have memorized that he just kept going and channeling his joy dream of consciousness yes right incredible so this went on for like an hour and I had all these ideas and then finally I said, okay, Robin, I need to go to sleep now. And it was just like a light switch. Then I was tired again and I went to bed, <laughs> but I did write down like a lot of these ideas for skits and I've done them at presentations and I've recorded them. They're on my website, a lot of them. And uh, it's just so fun because it's almost impossible to be in joy and be in suffering at the same time. Well, impossible really. So um, Absolutely. yeah, if you can follow the, follow the joy out of the dream would be the way to go, I think. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And I just love that. I love that story. And you know what? Um, Ideas and things and, you know, people who have seemingly crossed over, you know, obviously, as you said beautifully Mm -hmm. before, we understand that it's still all within within the illusion that there is no other other side. It's all in the mind. But this is, you bring up I love this story because this is, these are steps up the ladder and we always, we do um, get quote, you know, guidance and things um, in this way to help us keep it light because there's a part of us that still believes we're here and we're having this experience. And I think this is a really good example of even knowing that we're all one, we're not really separate, you know, and right. that could come into your mind as the, the being that was Robin Williams and the connection. And can you imagine, I think when, you know, people pass over or whatever, and there's still people were not, you know, people that are not awake yet, you know, um, 
it's it's profound to have a symbol like Robin Williams and to come, you know, saying from the other side saying, you know, look, I wish you could tell people what depression really is. And I wish, you know, there could be some help. And it was just your prompting to do it through A Course in Miracles, through humor in your book. And these are some of the ways in the dream that we have these little steps as we're climbing the ladder. And of course, in the back of our minds, we know, you know, what everything is really for, but we don't have to ignore these little steps along the way. In fact, Jesus says in the course, you will graduate to higher rungs on the ladder, but we're, we're where we are and we don't take anything too seriously. And my goodness, the world is very serious and anything that can help us feel a little better is awesome. And so I just, I just love that. Tell everyone your website, Dana. Sure. It's just my name. So it's drdanamarocco.com. Uh, I guess if you're listening, D-R-D-A-N-A-M-A-R-R-O-C-C-O. I do have a weekly radio show and live events, and I have music on there um, that I recorded actually in L.A. before studying the course. So it's really songs from the ego for the ego, but I can still learn yeah. from those too. <laughs> So you're welcome to listen to those and download them. In fact, one um, was played on the soap opera All My Children. It's a revenge song called Judgment Day. And, of course, that would be fitting for a soap opera. Um, So, yeah, I have music on there for free. And, um, yeah, check it out. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Yeah, I want people to check out check out your your website, too, which is awesome. And I'll put a I'll put a link here, too, in the episode. But um, can I say, Jackie, that this is such a treat to be this is actually my first book interview from another course in miracles teacher and it's such a treat to have complete understanding by the interviewer because i literally one interview um, i was asked i was i just i read through my top 10 lies and the interviewer said do you really know somebody like this oh okay isn't that interesting and i wasn't sure how to respond because i wanted to say um yes you and me and everyone yeah <laughs> because, but i didn't say that i you know i met the interviewer where he was and, and, and I didn't certainly didn't, you know, feel attacked or want to attack back. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the breakthrough in the ego is that it does work the same way in all of us. And so we can kind of find, we can find sameness even in our fear that seems so divisive and it's the purpose of it is to separate, but we can even find sameness in that. And then that can just get us used to seeing the sameness always, you know, because we are exactly the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you're welcome. I, I'm so glad to have you on. I will definitely have you back again, too, because there's always so much to talk about, you know, um, and I know we're going to do a segment for my subscription site, Patreon. So that's going to be fun, too. You know what? I wanted to talk about, ask you one more thing. You're, if you want to talk about your daughter, Aubrey, the story where I think it was in Chapter 4, and she said, I'm so mad. I'm mad at God, and I don't know why. I would love to tell that story. Tell that story because <laughs> this buddy knows at some level, even if they don't know. You know what I mean? Right. So go ahead. Tell that. Tell the listeners that story. Yes. Well, you know, I hate to give kids nicknames, but she kind of over time got the nickname of the truth bomb because she will just tell people <laughs> exactly 
how she sees it, and she's usually right, and it's usually not what you want to hear, but it's right, so you can't, like, you know, falter for it. <laughs> right. So um, have that in the back of your mind that this is a little, you know, truth bomb being sent to the world. But um, Right. So obviously I live in a household where we talk about spirituality, but um, and I have mentioned, because I've been asked, you know, what do you do with, you know, children and teaching them the course? And I do share quite a bit with them, actually, and um, I just kind of, gauge what to share by their reaction and if I sense any fear which I never have yet I would stop and you know pull back but they just want to know more and they seem to understand it and yeah so I just go for it but awesome I, I had never um, shared anything with Aubrey to the extent that she shared with me on her own so what happened was um, I think she was around five or six or so and um, she was in trouble for something minor I don't remember and so I took her stuffed animals away as, um, you know, as a punishment just to let her know that wasn't okay. And then she was very upset and she was stomping around and yelling. And I said, oh, I can see you're very mad. Uh, are you mad at me for taking away your stuffies? And I thought she'd say yes. And she said no. So then I thought, oh, maybe she's developing some insight that she played a part in this. So I said, are you mad at yourself for, you know, what you did that led to your stuffies being taken away? And she said no. She said, I'm mad at God. I'm mad at God, and I don't know why. I don't want to be. And I was just like, what? Oh, my gosh. So, of course, I said, go to your room. We don't talk about God that way. No, no, I didn't do that. No, I know you didn't. That is just, oh, yeah, go ahead. That's just amazing. Yeah, it's like, you know, she became the teacher, which, of course, is, you know, we're all teachers to each other. But, yeah, it was pretty profound so I just said yeah I think we all secretly kind of have that it can't be true that we know that we're mad at God or that God's mad at us like yeah so for her to look at that at age five was pretty amazing I I love it it's so profound and again it goes you know right to the metaphysics of the course I mean of course God is a loving God we're at home with our creator we've never left but when we seemed to separate. The ego, in all its arrogance, too, created a punishing God. <laughs> so now God is not a loving God. He's a punishing God. And so it's we all, nobody walks around when they're upset, except for your daughter, Aubrey. You know, <laughs> nobody really walks around when they're upset and says, oh, my God, what I'm really mad about is the separation, you know. <laughs> but Audrey's advanced and so cute. But the, the, the part I, I love that so much because when we seemed to fragment into these billions and billions, you know, of pieces, every seeming separated mind retains the right mind where the Holy Spirit resides, where the Holy Spirit, the Course says, is the memory that we took into the dream of our true home, you know, and everybody has that. And then everybody has the ego and then everybody has the decision maker, the power to choose between the two. And it's so funny how I, what I thought when I first read that in your book, many things, but it was so profound. I thought, yeah, she's in touch. She's mad at God and she doesn't know why, but there's a part of all of us that really knows the truth. And I thought that was a brilliant example of that. Yeah, and it's also such a big part of the course to be willing to look at your fear, you know, directly at it. Yeah, absolutely. I I think, go go ahead, Dana. (laughs) 
yeah, instead of just um, deny it and say, okay, I'm I'm done now. I'm all the way up the ladder because that's probably the <laughs> ego telling you that because the ego wants you to stop and quit and say you're done, you know, rather right. than do the work every day. But I find I have to do it every day. I don't know about you. Yeah. Oh, every day. I mean, it's it's constant. I, I love reading the course. I'm doing the workbook lessons again. Um, I just woke up January 1st of this year. I just follow the promptings in my mind. I, and I just said, oh, Jackie's going to do the workbook lessons again. I just started doing the workbook lessons. Mm-hmm. I say that because I do love something to focus on, you know, every day. But I, it's just so profound, I think, the more and more we get used to trusting (laughs) and choosing, looking at our fear and then choosing to look at it like you just said so well, we have to always look at it with our right-minded teacher because when we do, we start to realize that the body is simply just a figment of our imagination. It's a figure in the dream. We're, we're all figures in the dream. The bo- body literally does nothing. We don't start there, but <laughs> we start in the world where we believe we are. And because we believe we're separated, we have to have seemingly separate forgiveness opportunities and we're forgiving others. But that's right where we were supposed to be. And as we, again, like we were saying earlier, climb up the rungs you know, of the ladder, we start to recognize, wait a minute, okay. <laughs> I am the dreamer of this dream. Jesus is a symbol in my mind, and our relationship with him starts to grow because we start to recognize that we are all one, and he wasn't really a body either, but it's a Mm -hmm. process. And like you said, that's why we kind of just, you know, do it every day, and we start to lose our investment in the world, and we start to not make everything so real and that steps to fearless freedom so you use yes. fear f-e-a-r and f you say forgive yourself for losing your peace e exit the ego your investment in fear a accept spirit your remembrance of love as your identity and r realize love was your only option all along enjoy <laughs> Right. We can't forget to enjoy it, you know, at the end. Because if we're not enjoying, then we must still be holding on to this idea that I deserve punishment. Yeah. Exactly. We know that there's nothing we can't do from the holiness perspective, meaning God created everything exactly like him. Oneness. We're created as one. And so when we're in the right mind and we remember who we are, that remembrance and that blessing blesses the entire projection because we're one with it. And I just love how we can be in the world but not of it. Right. There's no denial except for denying the ego thought system. We can take that word fear and forgive ourselves exit the ego, accept spirit, and realize our identity was just pure love all along. Love it. Thank you. Yeah, it's just kind of coming back into your own power center, understanding where your power really is, that it's not in the world of effects, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys, if anybody new is tuning in, which I know it happens quite often, people find the podcast. Course in Miracles is a non-dualistic thought system 
that teaches that God is the only reality and everything else is of our making. So this is what is so radical about the teaching because the course parts with the Bible on page one because the course is saying that God did not create this world, saying it was of our making and goes into why that was so. And Dana, I always think about this. You were talking about growing up too and going to church and everything. And I grew up Protestant and I remember sitting in church and we went regularly. I loved our pastor. We had a great pastor, but I felt that there was someone, that there was another Jesus. I think I talk about this in my book. I can't remember. Um, But I was another voice was presenting to me. Right. And I felt very comforted. I didn't know what that was. It's it's easy. You know, you look back now and I can say what it was and everything. But at the time, I just was thinking, you know what? This seems right to me. I don't know. I'm like seven, eight, nine years old. And I just remember having Jesus right with me all the time. But it was kind of a different Jesus. <laughs> um, and so I think... There's something in all of us, no matter when we seem to start to wake up or whatever. There's something people can have comfort of. It's never gone away. It just merely has been unrecognized and and forgotten, right? Yeah, and we have to feel safe and protected, I think, all along the journey. Otherwise, we'll regress back into our comfort zone with the ego of building up walls. And so, yeah, just you were saying that voice, I think, made you feel safe. Yeah, absolutely. I just, it's almost like a feeling that all is well. And Mm -hmm. it's hard sometimes to um, articulate that to people because you look out in the world and it all is not well. The Course is teaching, of course it isn't, because the world is a projection of the thought of attack and sin, guilt and fear in the mind. And so when we project that out, all we see is separation and chaos, you know. And so it's really moving from identifying with the body, as we were saying earlier, to really going back to the mind and saying, you know what, the world is not being done to me. It's being done by me, and I can change my mind about it. And I take the entire sonship with me when I choose the Holy Spirit that's the perception which with I which with which I bless the world. But if we choose the ego too, we're holding all the sonship prisoner, like all our brothers and sisters. And it's really an interesting thought when you think of it. But we're so right. used to doing things in the world, right? Mm-hmm. But once we start walking it back again, we recognize that the body is a puppet and only responds to the intentions of the mind. And that's why the Course says, oh, my gosh, there are only two choices and only one of them is real. You know, powerful, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And you yeah. just kind of um, like I think the further along you get with the Course, too, you just you start to think more abstractly like and ask yourself questions. Why do I think it's possible to feel pain? Why do I think it's possible to be separate? Um, and I think that's that's a that's a cue too that you're that you're getting to these all or nothing decisions, like you were just talking about. Because we're either all healed or we're all sinners. Which is it? It's one or the other. <laughs> it's one, it's one or the other. 
Oh my gosh, so well said. That's right. That's absolutely right. Oh my gosh, well, we're coming to the end of our episode here. This is so great having you on and talking about this. Again, I will put a link to Dana's book, The Top 10 Lies We Tell Ourselves and How to Stop Them. And um, as we mentioned earlier, she also hosts on course with Dr. Dana every Wednesday morning from 9.30 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And one more thing I wanted to say I thought was so helpful about your book is you have challenges and exercises at the end of your chapters, and they're they're great. And, you know, for people that kind of want to practice, you say, take the challenge, you know, <laughs> at the end. Right. And it's and I, it's really good, so... Anyway, if you guys just want a fun read and and Dana understands the course, (laughs) the metaphysics of the course and and puts it in a fun way, that's great. So, Dana, we'll have to have you back. Thank you so much for being in True Forgiveness Teachings. It was so great to talk with you. And to all the listeners out there, just remember you are love and you are love. Okay. Love you all. Bye. Thanks, Dana. Oh, thank you so much, Jackie. Bye-bye.